Welcome to the Security Sessions podcast, brought to you by Talist and hosted by me, Nera Jones. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing the technologies, people, and processes behind information security and delving into topics like data security, remote access, and digital transformation. We'll be speaking to Talis and industry experts to bring you fresh perspectives on how to navigate the world of cloud security. Today, I'm very excited to introduce this new episode on the future of payments. The payments ecosystem has evolved tremendously over the past few years, but especially in the last two, where we have seen a surge in adoption of all kinds of digital payments. This raises a few questions. Where will digital payment technology take us in the future? How does this affect retailers and financial services organizations? And what risks will we be facing? It is my pleasure today to introduce two fantastic guests, Simon Keats, Head of Strategy Payment Security at Thales, and Scott Abrams, SVP Business Development and FinTech at MasterCard. Simon and Scott, welcome to you both. I'm delighted to have you here on this uh, podcast. And uh, without further ado, let's jump into uh, the questions. So, Scott, you have a lot of experience in retail and, of course, in payments at MasterCard. And by all accounts, you're a man of global vision. So what new payment trends are you seeing and how are these varying across the globe? Well, thank you, uh, Neil. I wouldn't, don't know whether I quite describe myself that way, but thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, look, I think, you know, many people have said many things about the impact of the, of the pandemic on consumer habits, uh, not just in terms of payments, just, you know, in, in every way of life. Um, and we wouldn't want it this way, but there's been such an incredibly accelerated adoption of digital payments over the past 18 months to two years. And we think about 30 to 40% of that change will actually be permanent and will stick. At the very start of the pandemic, um, from a UK perspective, so sort of March, April, May time, we saw um, about five years worth of growth in digital payments in just three months. So, you know, either either because people thought, I want to do it this way now, I'm worried about cash, I don't want to be, you know, in contact with people, or genuinely out of a sense of necessity at, at getting things sort of, you know, delivered to your home, we saw a huge adoption. And of course, and, and most people, and, and, you know, I think we'll, we'll feel this in our own lives, and particularly the UK consumer, most changes in behavior stick if the first, second and third experience of that behavior is, um, you know, is, is really positive. Excellent. So what are the major challenges uh, retailers and other financial services organizations are facing as a result from your side, Simon? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting, Nira. And just, I mean, to reflect on, on what Scott's getting, you know, even just from a personal point of view, how my spending habits have changed. And, you know, obviously everything a lot more um, for me is, is done online these days than, than in store. I certainly don't think I've used an ATM in the last 18, 18 months. And, you know, the impact of that then on what that means to retailers and, and organizations, I think, is just that rapidness of, of change um, has been very difficult to, to keep up with. You know, changing processes within, organize, within the organization, making sure that when they're now shifting to an e-commerce world, for example, 
um, that they have all of the right processes, procedures, the right rigor in place to ensure that they're acting um, securely and in accordance um, with the rules. And the thing that I think goes along with digitization is the adoption of, of new technology, of course. Um, a massive shift to the cloud that, that we've certainly seen with organizations that I think that we didn't expect to be in this place uh, when we started last year. You know, we, we still thought there was quite a long tail until uh, organizations started moving some of these very sensitive workloads into the cloud. And so I think, you know, the, the, the challenges, as I said, are about making sure that you um, maintain process, maintain control, and, and stick to the rules. And as you start moving into these new, uh, these new areas, for example, um, accepting online card payments, how do you make sure that that data is secure? And this in itself comes with a whole range of challenges. Um, not just how do I use this new technology, but where does my data exist? How do I make sure that it's um, secure and only accessible to the right people at the right times and not subject to, a, to an attack um, by, uh, by, by criminals? That's that's these are very good points, Simon. Uh, uh, staying in control, remaining secure, uh, indeed very challenging, especially as uh, uh, as a result of this accelerated digitization. We've observed also a massive extension of uh, the digital digital supply chain as a as a result. So, from your side, Scott, what are you seeing the challenges to be? Well, I think it's interesting in terms of you know that where I, where I would come from from this uh, you know answering that question and Simon I, I I'm with Simon in terms of all of the, the 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 problem issues if you like in terms of data and fraud and all those things. What's much more upfront and front of mind for many of our customers is making sure that when a customer turns up at their website, they take take the transaction right. People don't abandon and go somewhere else, and that is related partly to how you serve them online and of course also importantly how you serve them offline as well and and so all of our customers i would say across the globe knew that digitally engaging with their customers was important i think the you know the vast majority now see it as as you know success defining i would say more than just important and not only is that from a security and safety perspective it's in terms of survival of your business so that really is is key what i also think is very interesting i mean i work with a huge number of of large banks across the world both what i would call or what are called incumbent banks and also challenger banks and the way some of those challenger banks were able to flex so quickly to serve their customers in new ways you know, you could you can open accounts online without any contact, et cetera, et cetera, has has led to a situation where the competitive landscape has shifted under people's feet within days. Uh, I look at the way different banks cope with chargebacks, for instance, as as as, as every flight in the world got cancelled, for instance, and all of these things that were competitively nice to have became competitively key to have, and I think that's been a huge change in era. Absolutely. So uh, in terms of uh, challenges for, for retailer and financial services or organizations sort of uh, globally, if we stay for that topic, uh, uh, on that topic a little bit more, um, what, what are you observing in, in terms of uh, how, how these challenges are trying to be uh, addressed and looking at the digital identity and authentication? I know MasterCard has been very 
active uh, in that space, indeed, as have Thales been. So, uh, Scott, if you continue on, on that theme, perhaps, and then I'll move on to Simon in a second. You know, if, if you take what a, 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 a card network does around the world, it does three things, right? It authorizes transactions. It clears transactions so everybody knows where they stand, and then it settles transactions. Money changes hands, basically. What we're seeing, particularly in Europe, both from a customer demand perspective, from a regulatory perspective, and from a general safety and security perspective, there's there's another piece to that now, which is at the start is authorization and authentication. And that is a huge shift for payments. So, you know, from a regulatory perspective, you know, two-factor authentication has to be in place, you know, across the EU at different times over the over the coming months. But actually, I think it's interesting to see potentially how quickly we would have got there with that type of demand anyway, um, particularly as, you know, it's so important these days. And particularly we've, we've, we've um, welcomed, for want of a better word, so many new digital customers to the ways of transacting with a company like MasterCard digitally, whether it's using our cards contactlessly, whether it's using digital mobile wallets, whether it's using new checkout tools, whether it's using different um, pays online, you know, all of those need to work well out of the box first time for new consumers, else you lose them to something else. And that, I think, is the real digital battleground these days. So when that comes to retailers, how easily you do that whilst not losing any transactions is, I think, the defining challenge for retailers operating online. And it's one that we're seeing, you know, that they're looking to the likes of ourselves and others, and I'm sure Talis as well, to help them provide a best-in-class service so they don't lose customers um, at that checkout experience because there's so many different options and different ways of paying as well. Absolutely. And what's your take on this, Simon? I completely agree, Nira. I think it's it's that last point by Scott of, of the the range of different payment methods and you know just i think leading to an amount of confusion and uh too much choice at, at times often leaves uh, customers in a, in a state where they aren't able to to necessarily know what the, the right thing to do is i saw a screenshot on um on linkedin i, I guess a couple of days ago of, of all of the different payment mechanisms um supported on a particular website and you know in the old days and the before times you had check out with your card, you know, Visa and MasterCard and American Express and, and Diners and, and a handful of others. Whereas now I've also got the um, alternative methods like, like like PayPal. And now I've got different ways of checking out where I can spread my cost across a number of months. And, you know, it's that NASCAR problem where when we were signing into websites a few years ago, you could sign in with Google and Facebook and Twitter and, and then 100 others. You end up with all of these logos. And as I said, I think just, just leading uh, to confusion. But I guess, you know, dealing with that from a, a retailer's point of view is thinking about how you adapt and at the same time as meeting all of your customers' expectations and, and having that seamless journey of not introducing too much friction, how do I balance the, the risk on the other side of that? And so obviously as Talis, we're coming at this from a, a security and, and risk point of view and really working with customers, retailers and, and, and banks to understand how technology can play a role in helping with the minimization of, of risk. Um, you know, we talk about encryption a lot as a mechanism for, for really helping with that. How can I de-scope my environment um, and ensure that I don't have sensitive information lying around that is um, 
vulnerable and, and potential for an attack by by criminal. So I think the thing that we're really seeing with with retailers, with with organizations, is as they've moved into this digital space, it's it's helping them understand what that risk is and really what controls and mitigations they can put in place with uh, with a means or um, an attempt really to not interfere on the on the customer side of things. Um, and you know, I think probably one of the, the best examples of this has been tokenization, either on the mobile side through um, uh, payment uh, card payment digitization, and also on on, on the back end side at, at merchants where they're tokenizing card uh, sensitive card information. All of that really happens seamlessly. So when I tap my phone in store, I don't realize that that's a token, but I'm well protected as a as a customer. Um, and then the same is when I enter my card details online. Um, I don't realize this is happening at uh, at the back end, but all of my really sensitive information is is tokenized. It's protected, so that if that retailer is is compromised, my personal data isn't. And I think that's really been great. I haven't been impacted as a customer, but all of that security exists. And I think just just coming in on that, Nir, there's there's a couple of things I'd say. But one, I think that that whole thing, and perhaps I should have mentioned that before tokenization. The one thing we do need to get a bit better at as a as a cards industry is is helping our customers understand that we're doing that because it does give a huge amount of comfort I, I i would say to people that you know a lot of the time you know their actual data isn't actually hanging around anywhere right it's it's a it's a link to a piece of data that only certain businesses like ourselves know and and just the other thing i wanted to say Simon made a great point at the start of what he was saying there i remember a few years ago that checkout page um space if you like was was at a premium right it was very hard to persuade a retailer to take a new form of payment um that's changed massively and i think that is also perhaps somewhat down to pandemic as well they no retailer wants to turn anybody away because they've only got this form of payment or that form of payment and that's made it that's made a huge change because as you say there's there's such a smorgasbord of different ways of paying a customer, for, of paying a company, I should say, online for something these days, and how often you pay and how long you pay it off for, etc. So I think that's that's something that's had a real tangible impact on digital payments in the last eighteen to twenty-four months. And in fact, uh, from what you both just said, I know we've been talking about the challenges facing retailers. Uh, they're going to be even more challenged in the in the next few months because, of course, we have the holiday season coming up. It's going to be a very busy retail season, and before even Christmas and 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 other celebration, we'll have all sorts of dark, darkly coloured days where people go absolutely frantic trying to to find the best possible deal uh, so in this context do you have some tips for consumers because i know you just mentioned consumers uh, scott in terms of communication and making them aware of how they can protect themselves but also how they are already protected as well first of all nira i, I it's going to be such a, a challenging seasonal period for, for many retailers. You know, we know, don't we, that, you know, the vast majority of many retailer sales happen at the sort of last quarter, even the last month of, of the year. And I think there's a number of, I mean, having worked for Sainsbury's for nine years myself, I know how much past history is used to, you know, to uh, make some assumptions about, you know, the future and the next seasonal period. And of course, 
we don't have that from last year, right? Last year was with no no fault of anybody, but chaotic. And we've seen, haven't we, over the years that, you know, Christmas in inverted commas from a retail perspective has got later and later, you know, people waiting for better offers, you know, all the way up to the sort of 23rd and Christmas Eve. Now, of course, with with um, Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all of these things coming in as well, just the amount of demand and supply management these retailers, our customers will will be doing is just... It's just incredible. I, 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 I take my hat off to them in terms of working out what will happen this year and how has the pandemic, you know, changed permanently people's shopping habits, you know, in this seasonal period. You know, I've, I've, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. In terms of tips, um, you know, I, 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 I think that the most important tip is that people should feel assured that any reputable retailer online is doing and retail and reputable financial services entity of which they all are of course because they're all regulated and and, you know they're all licenses of ourselves or others Uh, they should feel assured that those businesses are doing absolutely everything they can to protect themselves Um, sorry to protect their customers and themselves and so from that perspective I think that should give many people you know the confidence to act and shop online safely um, over this Christmas period. Thank you, Scott. Uh, so do do you have uh, anything to add there, Simon? Yeah, thanks, Nira. I just wanted to, to touch on what Scott said earlier about, um, you know, what this, this period in time looks like. And I'd, I'd love to see stats uh, from, from MasterCard um, after this period and just get to understand how different that pattern is, not only from, from last year, 2020, but what it looked like for 2019 and 2018 before that. As you said, it's kind of getting later and later or closer and closer to, to, to uh, to Christmas, but I think there's also been an amount of um, fear mongering uh, relating to the supply chain, and this idea that if I don't place my orders now, I might not get the goods in time for Christmas. And I don't know if you can really wait that that long. But as as that um, excitement ramps up, as that that fear kicks in, that's when I think criminals really latch on to to trends and try to exploit um, customers. So I think the number one thing is is really to Make sure that you're transacting with a trusted and reputable brand as as much as possible, especially when it's a, a big ticket item. But I think you know, just along with that excitement, use the mechanisms of of payment that that you're com- comfortable with as well. We talked about lots of different options open for customers and different ways of checking out. And I think as you start moving away from the the, the trusted means like paying with your card to alternative ways, be careful there as well for for fraud and and phishing. Because again, this is the mechanism that criminals use for um, distracting us and, and latching in onto that that excitement. As Scott said, we, we're well protected. We go on a, a website. There is um, TLS, so the, the browsing session is secured. We're using our cards. They're tokenized. But what happens if we step away from that and start putting in our bank account details, for example, or asking to being asked to transfer money from my bank account to your bank account? That's when, as a consumer, things start to get a little bit more risky because we're moving out of that controlled and, and trusted environment into something that doesn't necessarily have the protections that we expect. So I think the big piece of advice there is, of course, be careful, use the trusted brands. And if you do step away from that, be sure about what you're doing before you jump in with two feet. I mean, that, that's great advice, Simon, isn't it? I mean, I think, I think just that my, you know, my parents are in their 80s. They must get, they get a phone call at least every other day from somebody purporting to be somewhere that they owe the money urgently, 
every, every other day. And it, I, you know, that we've seen. I think I've seen stats around that says there's the huge amount of increase in that type of phone call phishing behaviour, etc. And you know, you you owe money for this, or HMRC are chasing you for that. I think it's it's terrible behaviour, but it, it's something that, um, you know, as many fraudsters know that many more people are at home more often. It's been something that's that's really taken off. And I did just want to say one other thing to what I said a second ago, Nira. Um, we published some data, I think it was only last week, you know, we're predicting over 2019, sorry, 2020, we're predicting about an 8% growth in retail sales this Christmas. What is interesting, though, is that we, as I said earlier, that shift to digital, we think is now, you know, cemented, and we're actually predicting about a 35 to 40% increase in digital sales over that same time period. So, you know, the if you think about that, and how low, therefore, the sort of face-to-face sales growth will be, we can really see the impact of the pandemic and people shifting their spending behaviours. Absolutely. And indeed, new digital behaviours are definitely here to to stay. So I know that uh, MasterCard have been very active in, in that space. So can you tell us, uh, Scott, how, what you're doing to address the evolution of uh, payment fraud methods? Because criminals are becoming increasingly innovative. I think I don't have time to think to, to talk about all of the different ways we're trying to do that, that Nira. Um, I wish I did to some extent, and I wish I could remember them all to some extent. But, you know, number one, of course, it's, it, it is our, our, our joint number one thing. There's a completely, there's a correlation between how much our products are used and how safe people feel whilst using our products. We've understand that, that correlation for a long time. And so we know that one, you know, how easy our products are to use must go hand in hand with how safe and secure people feel whilst using them. So our whole business strategy is focused on those two things. And, and I think there's a couple of things I would say on that. As I said a little earlier, you know, authorization is now hand in hand with authentication from a regulatory perspective here in Europe. But also, we obviously see that as a trend, as a coming trend around the world. So our focus is on digital identification, um, investments in companies or purchasing companies that provide those types of solutions is something that is really important to us, both to offer to financial services operations, but also to um, uh, to retailers themselves. And also, of course, gateways and, and payment systems providers as uh, payment services providers as well. So, you know, outside of digital ID, we've got lots of different things that we continue to do to help our customers manage, reduce and, and remove fraud. And, and one other thing I would say, as, as you no doubt will know or remember, we as a company bought Vocalink which is a, a UK company that runs the Link ATM network and runs faster payments in the UK. We also have continued to invest in, in a significant amount of fraud tracking um, software, et cetera, in that business. And so we, particularly on this, the, the phishing things that Simon and I were just talking about, we're implementing things with banks and also with the FCA and the Bank of England to, to try and follow that money to see it actually where it eventually ends up, because that will obviously help law enforcement actually find out where this money is going. 
And indeed, as well, following the trend in uh, uh, cryptocurrency as well, there are lots of things uh, that, uh, that, that are being done in that respect as well in terms of uh, that tracking and transparency. So, Simon, tell us, what are you doing? Well, Nero, I think you know, it goes back to me thinking about risk with customers. And so just to, to, to be sure about who I'm talking about. So when I talk about customers, Talus as customers, not, not us as, as citizens, as customers. But it's, it's working with organizations to help them understand um, what new risks might exist. And especially as, a, you know, as we start moving away from maybe the traditional mechanisms of payment, like uh, cards and, and the big brands like, like MasterCard, is as I start looking at these, these new ways, what are the new risks that exist? and understanding how to mitigate those. And I think that the thing that maybe organizations forget about to, to some degree is just because I move away from card payments doesn't necessarily move, mean that I move away from any of the, the, the problems or security um, issues that, uh, that exist with card payments. As Scott said, we've still got problems like authorization and identification. And in fact, they're intertwined now. We still have problems with sensitive data. We still have problems with um, access control. And so the old ways of protecting and all of the lessons really that we've learned across 30 or 40 years of, of car payments still absolutely apply. And I, I think that's the message I really try to get through to customers is um, don't forget about the controls and, and the things that you have in place to protect the card side of your business. It's use those same controls. And again, as Talis, we would get in trouble if we didn't say this kind of stuff, but use tools like encryption and strong key management uh, to protect that data, to make sure that if you do have sensitive information, that it's not of any worth uh, to a criminal should they uh, should they breach your environment. And and all of this, of course, when when we look when when we look at uh, what you've both just been saying, all of this costs uh, money, and the investment uh, needs needs to be made. Uh, which is why security is actually often seen as a as a cost that businesses have to to bear. And I know we've been talking for a long time that security should be looked at as a as a business opportunity. And I know MasterCard is, is doing that. So Scott, how is MasterCard actually uh, uh, not only talking the talk, but also walking the walk? Well, I, 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 I recognize that description you've give, given, Nira, but I think that's, for us anyway, that's a long time ago. You know, I, I think from our perspective, as I said earlier, that the balance of making our products simple to use, but also making people feel like they're safe and secure are hand in hand. And so, you know, the, the costs of doing things from a safe, safety and security perspective are not just looked at in terms of the return in reducing fraud. By, I don't know many businesses that are currently just trying to make that business case work. The business case is really shop with me, spend with me, I'm going to look after you. And MasterCard can help you looking after you, as I say, by, by encryption, right? By particularly in tokenization, as I said, we're making huge efforts to, to tokenize every single card in the world. And we've got 2.9 billion accounts uh, live globally. So that's a lot of work. But I do think we need to communicate that better, as I, as I mentioned to, to Simon a little earlier. So I don't, I don't believe, and I, I meet very few businesses, both financial institutions or retailers, that, that see this very much as a, um, okay, my fraud is only this low, therefore, you know, I'm not going to invest in X, Y, and Z. This is much more about 
making customers, particularly that huge swathe of new customers that are relatively new to this through the pandemic, feel as safe and secure as businesses, uh, as consumers that have used those those um, those tools and those payment methods for years. Thanks, Scott. Uh, we could talk about this for ages and ages, but uh, I'm afraid we're actually running out of time. So uh, uh, before I let you both go, uh, Simon, do you have one last tip for our audience? Yeah, thanks, Nira. And I just wanted to say thanks to, to Scott as well for coming on the podcast with us. This has been you know, a, a great conversation, as, as Nira, you said. I think we could talk about this for ages. Uh, it's certainly uh, an incredibly exciting time to be part of the the, um, the payments industry, and very much something that that keeps me motivated and and you know at my desk uh, day after day. Um, in terms of um, last bits of advice, I think you know two two sides is really as as us as consumers, as we've said, this is an exciting time uh, coming up or a busy time. It's easy to get caught up in that excitement, but and also. Um, in the fear of missing out, be careful when you're spending. Make sure that you're using reputable brands, and uh, you know, look out for those um, visible indicators on on websites to make sure that your transactions are secure, especially as you start moving more and more online. Thank you, Simon. And what's your one last tip, Scott? Well, I'd, first of all, I'd, I'd like to thank you, Nira, for the invite, and I'd like to thank Simon for invi- um, also inviting me along. I, I really enjoy any opportunity to, to, to talk about um, what we're doing here at MasterCard. Um, my tip is very basic. Take a breath before you do anything online. Just take one breath, maybe two, and just think for one beat or two beats around you know, what you're doing. Is it with a reputable, reputable business? Are you doing something you've done often before and so you feel comfortable with it? You know, Be assured that the likes of Talis and MasterCard are working every second of every minute of every day to make um to make our customers you know feel as safe and secure as possible while shopping online or or anywhere else but just take a breath and take a thought every now and again i think simon just used a great phrase that fear of missing out there's a lot of that coming up right with 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 uh the offers coming up this week on black friday and and cyber monday there will be a huge amount of rush and pressure to to do x or buy y just take a second or two. I think that would, um, you know, you you might be really pleased that you did that in the long term. Very wise advice from from both of you. Thank you, Simon and Scott, for being fantastic guests. Uh, It's been a pleasure uh, to host this podcast. You have been listening to this episode of the Talis Security Sessions podcast. Today, we've been talking about the future of payments with Simon Keats, Head of Strategy, Payment Security at Talis, and Scott Abrams, SVP Business Development and Fintech at MasterCard, hosted by me, Nara Jones. Thanks for listening. Love this episode of the Talis Security Sessions podcast? Search us out on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast service to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to visit us at cpl.talisgroup.com to access previous episodes, bringing you insights from industry experts on the latest cloud and data security news and trends. Thank you for listening.